good to see you. If you would, turn around and do an air high five to someone and tell them that they look pretty today. Um, they are awesome. I've got a, uh, I have a few announcements that I just want to kind of go over real quick as, as we're ramping up for, um, we're ramping up for the fall season, man. Fall is almost here. Are you guys enjoying the weather? How many of you guys are upset that summer is almost over? I th- You're upset? She's, she's salty over there. Pray for her salvation. I am, um, I love this time of year for multiple reasons is, uh, one, the air gets cool and crisp. Uh, two, it's hoodie season. Come on in the house. Yes. A few of you. Uh, and then three is pumpkin spice lattes, right? No, I'm joking. I don't like pumpkin spice latte, but I do like pumpkin pie. And so, um, yes. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, Hey, I want to welcome everyone who's watching us online, whether you're on our church online platform, maybe you caught us on Facebook or you're watching on YouTube um, and your family's gathered around in the living room or maybe you're in the bathroom, God only knows. We just want to welcome you all and say thank you for, uh, you know, participating and being a part of the City Church Online community. And so, hey, everyone here, can we just give it up for everyone online right now? Make some noise for them. We love you all. We miss you. And we do believe that the best is still yet to come, despite what CNN and Fox News tell you. So, um, hey, I've got, uh, where's my notes? Here we go. I'm opening up the wrong thing. I have a few announcements that I want to just go over real quick. Here we go. Boom. There we go. Got my handy dandy little note card. All right. So first and foremost, I want to talk about one thing. I came out here a few weeks ago and I talked about how our church, we've always had community groups, but we are shifting and putting an extra emphasis on groups. And and by that, I mean, we believe discipleship happens best in circles, not in rows. Right now, you guys are in rows. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, But we believe that discipleship and growth for your personal life and our personal life happens best whenever we are gathered around in a living room or at a coffee shop or even via Zoom or Microsoft Teams, growing with one another. And so this upcoming week, if you go to citychurchalbany.com, on the home page, you're going to see a button that says groups, join a group. Um, And starting this week, you can start signing up for community groups. We have a few more that will be uh, that aren't quite up there yet, that we're still working out the details. And then next week, September 13th, is our Welcome Home Sunday. And by that I mean uh, we're hoping and we're believing schools uh, for some people will be back in session or about to start. Um, and, and we just believe it's the real kickoff to the fall season. And so we're believing for God to do something awesome here and to, to see some people who have been uh, watching online to, to come back into uh, the church community as, as far as like in person. And that being said, if you are watching online, I want to let you know if you've got an underlying condition, you're at risk. Look, we totally understand um, and we, your safety is our top priority. And so you pray about it. You make the best judgment call for everyone that if you haven't been here, we do practice social distancing. You guys are all spaced out. Um, and we do wear our mask. And uh, there's plenty of hand sanitizer and soap to go around. And so, um, but yeah, 
anyways, I'm rambling right now. Uh, so that is taking place next week. Kickoff groups, kickoff of the fall season. We're going to be showcasing some of the groups. And man, I look, if you call City Church your home, you need to be in a group. You need to be a group. Uh, and you may say, I really don't have the time for that. You need to be in a group because it is going to develop you, strengthen you, challenge you, and ultimately pull you closer to Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here, so that we can disciple one another. We are called to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And so um, this is our focus as a church. For the next five years, we're going to put an extreme emphasis, I mean, probably beyond that too, right? But like for the next five years, I'm committing to we're going to see a community group, small group um, system and organic discipleship. That is going to be our number one focus. And so um, get excited. Y'all excited for groups? Yeah, if you're not, then I'm going to come have a conversation with me. We'll talk about it, all right? And and so be a groupie. Oh, I like that. That's, uh, I like it. Jerry, sometimes I wish that people online could hear you so that they understand the context of what's being said. Y'all give it up for Jerry Rice back there. All right, the, the next thing is on September 20th, two things are going to be taking place. One is the prayer team led by Jeremy and Gigi Geezer. Uh, they're going to be having an interest meeting if you in, want to be involved in the prayer team. Look, the prayer team really kind of functions like a group. They meet twice a month. They get together uh, both in person and virtually. They pray for one another. Um, they've done meals together. And so they meet on Mondays, the second and fourth Monday. But they're going to be doing a uh, brief interest meeting if you want to be involved in the prayer team. And it, look, it's more than just we need intercessors in the church, right? And so it's more than just coming up here and being like, I'm going to pray for you. It's a lot more than that. They literally bathe our church in prayer. And every one of your prayer requests that you send in, they are legitimately praying for that and believing for God to do a miracle. And so if you want to be involved with that, that's happening September 20th, immediately following Sunday experience. The second thing is September 20th. And Marissa, help me out. Where are you? Oh, you're okay. Make some noise. I can't see anything. So, all right, uh, what time on September 20th? 6 p.m. We're having a, a night of worship here. Mask and social distancing, hand sanitizer, all of that is required. Um, but, again, we're just going to take two hours or so, and we're just going to press into the presence of God and see what he can do. And so I want to encourage you, come out to that. Uh, that's a Sunday evening. Um, it's going to be dope. It's going to be fun. It's going to be just get excited, all right? Um, and then the last thing I have is if you're online today and you're tuning in with us, we will be participating in communion in just a few moments. And so I want to invite you, if you are at home, to go grab some crackers and grape juice or um, maybe you don't have grape juice, you want to use coffee. I'm pretty sure Jesus makes exceptions, all right? And so it really isn't about what we use. It's about the heart posture of it. And so we want to invite you guys to participate with us in a few moments as we prepare our hearts for communion. All right, I've got 22 minutes. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? All right, cool. Here we go. Matthew chapter 6, part 8 or 9, something like that in our series, Kingdom Culture, where we've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount. Last week, I kind of raised this question to you all, and the question was this, are we trying to please God in what we do, or are we trying to please man? And, and oftentimes, if we're not watching ourselves, we will find that we are trying to please man over trying to please God. 
And what Jesus is speaking about right here to his disciples, as well as some Pharisees who are starting to pay attention, and the crowd on the Sermon on the Mount is really going to not our actions but, or our behavior, but to the heart of what's going on. And so I said last week that we're going to cover giving, we're going to cover prayer, and we're going to cover fasting. We kind of talked a little bit about giving last week. This week, we're going to dive into prayer, and we're going to dive into fasting. And if you're taking notes today, uh, you can simply just title today's message, An Audience of One. An Audience of One. Let's dive into the text together in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to pick up in verse 9. And I'm pretty sure everyone knows what I'm about to read. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespass, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. So Jesus starts out and he says, hey, when you pray, here's an example. Here's an example. I want you to start like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. Holy is your name. He starts out his prayer. Now, this is God in flesh, right? Talking about when you pray, you need to align your heart to the Heavenly Father and give him praise. Now, maybe you are having a rough week, right? And it's hard to give him praise. Man, if you've got oxygen flowing through your lungs right now, you have a breath inside of you to praise Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian and you have been saved from darkness, you have a reason to be praising Jesus Christ. If you have a job, even if it's making whatever minimum wage is now, um, you have a reason to be praising Jesus Christ. If you are engaged or if you are married or if you've got kids, you've got a reason to be praising Jesus Christ. If you live in America, you have a reason to be praising Jesus Christ. And you might be saying, well, Michael, I don't know about that. No, that is true because we are the richest nation in the world and you have a roof over your head and you've got shoes on your feet and you've got a place that you can go and you can get food. You have a reason to be praising Jesus Christ. And so you may be sitting there and you may be saying, I feel like my, my week has been hard. I feel my, like my week has been long and I just don't have enough in me to mustard up some gratitude. Man, that is where you have to look inside the America, inside the America, holy cow. You look inside the mirror, we're going to look inside America today too, get ready. You got to look inside the America, Jeez, in the mirror, and you got to say, I will praise the Lord, because if you don't praise the Lord, the rocks are going to cry out and praise the Lord. And I'm telling you, we are not going to be a church that lets the earth cry out and praise the Lord. We are going to be a church of the people of God that lift up the praises to the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. I love what the psalmist says in Psalms 97. And this won't be on the screen, but this talks about the character and the nature of God that you are serving. The character and the nature of God that's given you breath in your lungs and given you a life to live and who has saved you from eternal damnation and given you eternal life in his presence with his glory. He says this, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. 
Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thickness, darkness. Cloud and thick darkness are around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Let me just say this. Our world is crying out for justice. And if you sit here and you feel like there's been no justice, let me tell you, God is in the business of getting justice. And he will get justice because righteousness and justice are his foundation in which he sits upon. He continues on. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightning lights up the sky. His earth, the earth sees and tremble. And I love this right here. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord. Before the Lord of hosts, the heavens proclaim his righteousness. And all the people see his glory. I want you to think about the mountains melting like wax before the presence of God. You, if you've ever been out to the Rocky Mountains, it's absolutely gorgeous. If you've ever driven to the Catskills or to the Adirondacks, it's absolutely gorgeous. Any skiers in the house? Yeah, a few of you guys? Awesome. We should do a church ski trip, practice social distancing, right? Um, but like, and we've been talking about that cat forever. We need to just do it. Let's just do it. Look, we're going to do it this year. It's happening. Or in 2021. Here's what I'm getting to. You get to the top of a peak. You get to the top of Pico or Pico Mountain, whatever it's called. And you're looking out and you see the Adirondack Range. And it's got a bunch of white caps on top of it. Man, there is something about the majesty and the holiness of God that comes upon you. And the scripture says all of those beautiful mountain ranges will melt like wax before the holiness of God. When we pray, we are praying to that God. We are not praying to a mystical God. We are not praying to a God that is maybe in our dreams or in our fairy tales. We are praying to a God that speaks and he creates stars and galaxies. But yet at the same time, with his sovereignty and with his vastness, he knows every little detail about you and he personally loves you so much that you can call him Father. Father, our Father. Holy is your name. He continues on. He says, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I, I, th I think that we can all agree that 2020 has exposed the fact that the systems that we have set up in America are broken. Whether it's the racial system, whether it's systemic racism, whether it is the political system, whether it is the socioeconomic system, all of the systems that are in our world and whatever you feel like you need to place in there, they are broken and they are fractured. But Jesus says, when you pray, you pray for his kingdom to come from heaven to earth. And, and I've got a news flash for you if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. You are not a citizen just of America, but first and foremost, you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And your primary responsibility is to usher in the kingdom of God, is to be an ambassador for the kingdom of God. This is why the Apostle Paul continuously said, I am an ambassador for Christ. You are an ambassador for Christ. And how do we do that? By loving people, by going out of the way, by following the teachings of what Jesus says, of going the extra mile in the Sermon of the Mount by radically living out this thing that we call Christianity. 
and not doing it for pomp and not doing it for, for clout, but doing it because of what Jesus Christ did for you and did for I. We get to establish the kingdom. Do you guys get that? Like if we don't like the way that our world looks, let's usher in the kingdom of God. And this is the time right now to usher in the kingdom of God. People need to see a kingdom of righteousness, a kingdom of justice, a kingdom of love, a kingdom of mercy, and a kingdom of grace. Let's be that. He continues on in, in, in verse 11. And he says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Now look, maybe you're sitting here and you've been saying, Michael, I've been praying to God. I've been praying to God. I need God to provide for me. I need God to, like, Lord, I really need you to do something. Um, and I've been there. Look, I'm, I've totally been this person before. It's like, Lord, I just need you to, I need you to provide a financial breakthrough, right? And then he sends you a job. And you're like, well, God, I really need you to provide me for me, for me a financial breakthrough. Come on, God. Send, you know, give me, help me, Jesus. He sends you another job, and you just don't take it. And then you get frustrated, and you're like, God, your, your word says to pray for our daily bread. Pray for what it is that we need. And he's like, yeah, I sent you several jobs, but you're too stubborn, and you just walked away and ignored it. Have you ever been like that? You know, I, I think about this. T.D. Jakes, the bishop, Bishop T.D. Jakes, he gives this analogy of like, we pray for God to give us a table, and God says, I've given you a tree, and I've called you to be creative. I've called you to be an innovator. I've called you to create things out of the things that I've given you. Why don't you take the tree that I've given you and you create a table? I think oftentimes that's the way that God works with this. He will not give you what you want all the time, but he will give you what you need if your ear is attentive to what it is that he's saying. He continues, he continues on in verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And this is a simple revolving cycle. As people offend us, we should forgive them. As people upset us, as people cut us off, as people jaywalk, can I get an amen to that? We forgive them. Now, I know for some of us this is extremely hard, and I'm going to get to that in just a second. But you have to remember that you are not worthy of the forgiveness that Christ has given you. It is only because of God's rich love and mercy that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to make you worthy. And so we, we kind of need to get this reality check up here of like, they do not deserve my forgiveness and that I cannot believe that they did that. I'm going to cut them. And meanwhile, God's up there and he's like, hey, I didn't cut you. Instead, I cut my son so I, I could look at you through the lens of Jesus and see you as holy and blameless. We need to walk in forgiveness. We need to be people of God that walk this thing out. And then he says this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So let me say this about prayer. If we prayed more on the front end, we would be doing less repenting on the back end. Hear, hear me out by that. Isn't this the way that it goes? 
we live our life, we sin, whatever that sin may be, your sin is going to be different than mine, maybe it's the same, who knows, all sin is the same in God's eyes, but we sin, and then we feel real guilt, and we feel shame, and what do we do? We say, Father, I am so sorry, God, I need you to forgive me, I, Lord, I, I just, man, I can't believe I did this, I just jacked up right now, and I'm just like, I'm so sorry, and then the next day we wake up, and we still feel that shame, we still feel that guilt, right, and then we go back to God and we start praying again, Lord, I just need you to forgive me. And then we go uh, repent to the person that, you know, I'm so sorry, I can't believe I did this. And, and meanwhile, God is like, the first time you ask for, for genuine forgiveness, I forgave you. And so look, guilt and shame and condemnation, shame and condemnation, I should say, are things from the enemy. Conviction and guilt that you feel when you sin is from the Holy Spirit to lead you to a place of repentance. But if we would spend more time on our knees crying out to God, if we would spend more time in our prayer closet asking for the Holy Spirit to live in us and dwell in us, if we would spend more time in gospel community praying with one another, we would find that the holiness of God would be inside of us and our sin nature would start to decrease, 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 decrease. We spent more time in prayer. You would do more, I'm sorry, you would do less repenting and more walking as a child of God. And then he says this in verses 14 and 15. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. He's again getting to the root of the issue, the heart of the issue here. Let me ask you, how well are you doing forgiving others? How well are you doing making sure that your life is at a place where you can walk in constant forgiveness of maybe your abuser or your father who neglected you or someone who turned their back on you and they betrayed you? You see, God wants us to give him his, our burdens. He wants to take our burdens to make the life, our life, a lot lighter. He even says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But so many of us find ourselves to where we are holding on to our unforgiveness because of resentment, because of bitterness, because of anger, whatever it may be. And Jesus is like, I just want you to let go. It's, it's kind of like this. In our journey of life, we are all given a bag. Our bag that we pack our spiritual tools with. And if we're not cautious and we hold on to things in the past, we hold on to bitterness, we hold on to unforgiveness, that bag starts to weigh more and more and more. And you have to walk around with this. A bunch of baggage, a bunch of brokenness, a bunch of guilt, a bunch of hurt, a bunch of unforgiveness that you've been holding on. And then the next thing you know, you can barely carry the weight of the life when Christ wants you to live life and life to the abundance. Life free from guilt, life free from shame, life walking in forgiveness and love. So Jesus models this prayer, and then he shifts it, and he immediately dives into fasting. 
And I think it's important to understand, and I said this last week, that Jesus does, doesn't just say, if you fast, but he says, when you fast, when you pray, and when you give, which means these are things that we should be practicing as a lifestyle in our hearts. He, he says this about fasting, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they, are dis, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may be seen by others. I'm sorry, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now look, I'm going to be the first person to say I don't like fasting. Has anybody ever fasted in here? Does anybody enjoy fasting? And I'm not talking about intermittent fasting to get your six-pack pack. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. But does anyone enjoy fasting? Anyone? Okay, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. And so I was like researching this past week. I was like, God, why do we fast? And I love what John Piper says. He says it best. He says, we fast to express our ache for all the implications of Jesus' power in the present moment. Meaning we need to see God move. We need to see God do something. We need to see God transform our hearts and transform our city. We like this word revival, right? We want to see revival, or, or you know, now it's we want to see a movement. And Jesus says, when you fast, this is how I want you to fast. He's again going after the heart issue of it. Are we fasting to make us look righteous and holy, or are we fasting to get more of Jesus? And I think that is the ultimate question whenever it comes to prayer and fasting. And look, so I wanna, I wanna talk about fasting for just a minute, and I'm gonna challenge us to do something. But with fasting, um, fasting essentially takes away our sense of comfort so that we can replace it with the holiness of God. And so let me give you an example. Many fast out there call for a fast of food. We're gonna fast food for three days, or I'm gonna do the Daniel fast, for 21 days, or I'm going to, you know, just do a juice fast for seven days, whatever it may be that God is calling you to, right? And what will happen is we remove food so that we can put Christ in the place of food. Now, food is something in our society that is, is meant to, and look, it's meant to give us pleasure. Like, think about it. What's the best thing you've eaten this past week? T-bone steak, right? You eat that T-bone steak or you eat the Guzman's tacos, right? Or, or maybe you're eating, a, you know, filet mignon, or if you're a veggie lover, you're eating a bowl of kale. God bless you. Um, kale's good for you. Make sure you get your greens, right? Uh, but when you eat that, think about all the tastes that are on your taste buds and how ecstatic your mouth goes. This is why chocolate is a downfall of mine. Because chocolate satisfies something inside me. It's the same reason why many of us drink wine. There's nothing like a good dinner and a fine glass of wine. And God made both of those and intended both of those for our enjoyment and for our pleasure so that while we're drinking that fancy Merlot and we're eating that wonderful, delicious steak, we can sit there and say, mm, this is good. God, thank you and give glory to him. But what's happened in our society? 
What's happened in our society is we've taken food that is meant to sustain us and we've replaced it to put an emotional band-aid on us. We have a rough day at work. We come home, someone's mad at us, kids are screaming, kids go to bed, it's nine o'clock at night. You know what sounds really good right now? Not praying, not fasting. Half-baked Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Don't tell me you haven't done it. Maybe you buy stewards. That's fine. They do have the best ice cream in America. I'm just saying, vanilla. You know, it's like, honey, it's been a rough day. Do you want some ice cream? Yes, I do. Some of y'all will resonate with this. Or it's 9.30 at night. We call this second dinner. Christy and I, what are you having for second dinner tonight? Let's order Domino's. It's been a rough day. And you take a bite of that cheese pizza, and it's just, oh, na 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 na. Right? It speaks to you. See, when we do that from a place of satisfying us, we're trying to use food to cover up an emotion that we have and to put a Band-Aid on it. And what does it do? It just suppresses it and makes it worse and worse and worse. And I'm not even going to go to alcohol, right? I'm all about having a glass of wine and having a beer and, you know, having a margarita. You, you do you. But when we turn to alcohol to satisfy us when we've had a rough day, it starts to become a crutch and it ends up being something that will hold us down. Something that God used for our pleasure, used for, or intended for our pleasure so that we can give glory to him, ends up being something that is abused. The same thing can go with sex. God created sex for the pleasure of men and women in the context of marriage. And look at what has happened to sex now. I don't know if you've heard of this song called WAP. I heard someone chuckle. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And that's what our culture says this is what sex should be like. When we fast, it's us killing our flesh and saying, I don't need to rely on this drink. I don't need to rely on this ice cream. I don't need to rely on this cheese pizza. I can rely on Jesus Christ to sustain me. To sustain me to push me. Fasting realigns our heart with the heart of God. It expresses our hunger for change. And not our hunger for change maybe in the entire world, and yes, we should pray and believe and fast for that, but a hunger for change in our hearts. Again, in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking to the heart of mankind. He's saying, how's your heart doing? How's your soul doing today? If you're sitting home at the living room, how's your soul really doing today? Deep down, whenever everything's pushed away, how are you doing? So here's my challenge for us. As your pastor, I'm asking you, to join me in a three-day fast. And you pray about what it is that you want to fast. And look, don't be like, I'm going to fast, you know, one show on Netflix for three days. Come on, like, that's easy to do. And then you just go to YouTube and you watch it there, right? 
I'm talking about choose something that you love. Choose something that you enjoy. If it's food, choose food if you can do it in a healthy way. Maybe it's for you putting down the glass of wine for the next three days. And I'm asking you to fast with me this Thursday, this Friday, and this Saturday. And to believe for God to move in our church. Believe for God to open up doors like we've never seen. Believe for God to give us answers to the questions that we have. Believe for God to save the lost of our city. Believe for God to transform our region. And I actually believe that he will do that. But the lifestyle of a Christian is a lifestyle of prayer and repentance, of giving generously, of fasting, and believing for God to do the impossible. And so we'll be sending out emails and you pray about it. If you're a family, talk amongst yourself about what is best for you guys. But I want to challenge you to set aside time for prayer and fasting this Thursday, this Friday, and this Saturday. And let's show up next Sunday with an expectant heart, hungry for God to move in our lives, hungry for God to move in our marriages, hungry for God to move in the broken systems of our society. Because Jesus is our audience. When we pray, Jesus is our audience. When we fast, Jesus is our audience. When we give, Jesus is our audience. When we worship and we come to church, and even though we're here collectively, Jesus is our audience. We have an audience, and it is an audience of one, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he is the hope for all of humanity. And God, I want it to be that there's some small way that I can partner with what you're doing in reconciling the world back to itself and to see your kingdom come on this earth. You know what happens whenever we align our hearts with Jesus? This weight that we're carrying around, and I'm telling you, this probably weighs about 80 pounds. This weight that we're walking around with, what happens is Jesus gets inside and he says, oh, you've got a little bit of anger towards your dad and some unforgiveness. I want to change you. Let's get rid of that. Oh, you've got a little bit of frustration with your boss this past week. They told you you had to go back to the office instead of working remote. Let's get rid of this. Oh, you were sexually abused as a child and you don't know how to forgive that person? Well, I want to heal you, and I want to walk with you through forgiveness. And what he does is he continues to take the junk in your life and to shake it out if this thing will come out. And he says, here's the new life I've called you to pick up. It's a life free from burdens. It's a life free from guilt. It's a life free from shame. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And this is the life I've called you to walk in, Christian. To establish your kingdom. To establish his kingdom on this earth.
I want you to think about how many people are walking around with the backpack of life filled with whatever you want to put in there. And Jesus says, give it to me. Would you stand with me this morning? I don't know your heart. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what it is that you've been through, but I'm here to tell you that there is hope for you. There's hope for your situation. There's hope for, the, for humanity. And his name is Jesus Christ. And so if you've never given your life to Christ, and if you're watching online, if you've never given your life to Christ, I want to invite you into a very, very simple prayer. Right from where you are. I just want you to say to yourself, Jesus, I give you my life. And what that means is that you are surrendering your life, your heart, your sins, your burden, your guilt, and your shame over to him. Jesus, I give you my life. And I want to challenge you to get plugged into community here. I want to challenge you to don't stay where you are. If you're giving your life to Christ today, this is only the beginning it's the beginning of fulfillment. It's the beginning of destiny. It's the beginning of purpose. Am I going to say it's always easy? No, it's not always easy. It's probably actually going to be harder, but it's worth it. It's worth it because you get to be a part of not a political culture, not a, a system in America or a system in this world. You get to be a part of the kingdom of God. And there's a lot that that kingdom has to offer. And so my prayer today for all of us is that we would be ambassadors of his kingdom. So what we're going to do at this moment is I want to take just a moment. They're going to sing. We're going to get loud and rowdy in just a second. Before we dismiss, Kevin's going to come up and he's going to dismiss. But I want you to search your heart. And when you feel you've rid yourself of any unforgiveness, you've made your heart clean with your heavenly Father, you've repented for what it is that you need to repent for, I want to invite you to take communion. You can take communion in your seat. You can do it with your family if you'd like to do it that way. If you're at home, you can do it there. But I want this to be a moment between you and your heavenly Father where you are communion, communing with an audience of one. And that is your Heavenly Father. And whenever you're ready, I want you to take communion. And around your chairs, you're going to see the elements. If you need communion, just raise your hand and our host team is going to get those out to you. It could be at any point during the song. And we're going to pray. I'm going to pray and we're going to worship. And then I want to challenge you to worship like you have an audience of one. And his name is Jesus Christ. So Father, we just thank you. God, I thank you for anyone today online or anyone here in person who's saying yes to you for the first time. God, I just thank you for what you're going to do in this church, God. I ask that you prepare our hearts for this three-day fast. And Father, I ask that we get to be a part of ushering in your kingdom here on this earth. In Jesus' name.